Uh, tonight, I would like for you to open up back to John 17. We looked at John 17 uh, in two different nights. Uh, we looked at John 17, the first part, and talked about eternal life, what is eternal life, and how we have it and receive it, and what, it, what it's like, not just a length of time, but uh, an amount of a fullness of life. We also spent um, the second time looking at verse 11 through 23, talking about unity. Jesus said um, as he was one with the Father, he wanted us to be one with God as well for the well-being, for the growth of the church, uh, for us to be able to extend and, 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 and accomplish his mission. There was some verses in John 17 that, just, uh, that we covered, but we briefly went over just because we looked at them under that lens of unity and the importance of unity. Uh, so you might can call this sermon The Leftovers. That's probably not the most appealing title in a, for a sermon, but it's just some things that I thought God really had for us in John 17 that we just uh, that really didn't constitute a full service. Um, I'll probably preach on this again in a different fashion. Uh, but obviously last time we looked at the story of Judas as it's told in John 18 or as it's concluded in John 18. Next Sunday night we will get into Jesus on trial and that intense and dramatic story and that account that John gives us. We'll try to stick with John's account. But of course, if you've ever read the Gospels in full, you know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have a, their own account that tells different angles, different sides. So I encourage you, um, because we are about to get into the mo most in-depth part of John, and it's incredible. The first uh, uh, 12 chapters of John cover three years. Um, the last 12, the last 11 chapters of John cover a week, less than a week, honestly, three, four days. So that tells me that John was paying extra close attention. John was laser focused, and he spends chapter 18 through the end of this book covering uh, just a day. Uh, so that is pretty a big deal, I think. So uh, read ahead, study ahead, uh, cross-reference all that you can, and get prepared for what I believe is going to be a good time in God's Word. But tonight, I want to briefly um, look at John 17. I want to reread and recover verses 11 through 20. Um, as we kind of reflect on this year so far, um, we have had some ups. We've had a lot of downs. Um, if you're here tonight and you're alive and you're well and you're able to worship, I think we've got we've had more ups than downs. But, you know, there's just been a lot to kind of bum us out and get down about and get discouraged. Some take it differently than others and better than others. But regardless, this has been a challenging year. Um, but what has grounded us and what has guided us has been God's Word. I don't know what I would have done over the last six months without God's Word as the foundation of my life. Um, you know, I, we started this year, you know, I remember that. We had a great service the first of the year. Behold, all that God's going to do in 2020. Really felt like God laid that idea and that theme on my heart. Um, John 1, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's going to take away what's problematic in our lives. He's going to, uh, you know, set us on fire for something that we could not imagine and could not expect. Really believe that's what God laid on my heart for this year and for this for our church, not just for the church big at large, but for our church. Um, didn't expect that He would do so through uh, He would uh, we would go through this pandemic. You remember back in in February March we studied that uh, that latter part of Exodus where. Um, God's people um, just hit some bumps in the road. They come out of Egypt, and they are marching high, and they're stepping high, and they're thinking, you know what? Nobody can stop us. Nobody can, can, can put out this fire. And then they get to the mountain, and things go wrong, and then they worship a cow, and then they just completely lose their minds. And then a pandemic, or an epidemic, because it was small, uh, confined to that location, um, a plague sweeps through their camp, and they can't leave their camp, and Moses is on the mountain for a while. Remember that? We didn't know that was actually going to be something we were going to experience a month later. 
later. But all that, I believe, is just how powerful God's Word is and how prepar- uh, preparing God's Word is for us. And you, this is why it's important. Um, I've learned this as a pastor more than ever. Um, as a student of God's Word, as a member of God's, uh, God's church, you never know what God is preparing you for. Um, and I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet, um, but God's Word is pretty prophetic. And sometimes he can use a little uh, 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 ordinary lips and ordinary words um, to, to get us ready for things that we did not expect. Um, so I have been so impressed by God's word this year. Not that, I, not that he needs me to sit back and say, wow, God, you're bigger than I thought you were. But it is good for his people to realize how small we are and how big he is and how much he is getting us ready for things every single day. So don't ever underestimate what you might get out of a Sunday. Don't ever underestimate what you might get out of reading the Word of God. Don't ever underestimate what God might be ready to reveal to you and preparing you for. You never know it. It can be where two or three are gathered in His name. You don't know what He's going to do. And you know what? 2,000 years ago, Jesus knelt down on His knees, on His face, in a garden all alone with three of his closest friends right, next, right outside the garden, they were sleeping. Jesus prayed these words for them and for you. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have joy, my joy, fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And listen to this crazy prayer. I mean, not crazy, I'm not saying Jesus is crazy, but I just think this is a crazy thing to pray. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. Now, if you and I were Jesus, I'm glad we're not, we would pray something different there. But Jesus knew something that we don't know, and he knows something that we don't know. He says, Father, I don't ask you to remove them from this world, but would you protect them from the evil one that clearly will be in this world as well? They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, which means they're going to be targeted, and they're going to be opposed. They're going to be attacked. They're going to suffer. But God, I think the wise thing, I think the best thing is not to remove them, but to use them. Sanctify them. This is a big verse. I hope you can memorize it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart by your truth. Use the word to set them apart, to make them different, to make them distinct, to make them matter. As you sent me into the world, I have also have sent them into the world For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, not just the the 11, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, which means this prayer is for us. I I don't know a year in my life where this prayer has been more appropriate for the church as a whole. There's been seasons of my life where I needed this. Maybe you didn't need it as much as I needed it and vice versa. But this year, the church needs to read these words more than it's ever read these words and realize and remember what Jesus is saying to us, what he prayed for us. In front of you, from verses 11 through 20, the whole chapter, but these verses specifically, there are promises for you to claim and obtain. 
And maybe this year has pushed them in front of you and is asking you, when are you going to take them? Jesus glorifies God for his ability to keep, sustain, and not lose anyone in verse number 11 and 12. Remember back in John 10 when Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and nobody is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So if we are in Jesus, we are, if we are in Christ, we are in the Father's hands. We are in the Father's family. No one can take us. We need to hear this because we live in a world that wants to scare us. We live in a world that wants to scare you. We live in a world that peddles fear for Profit. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Politics peddles fear. Experts like to, from every field, like to scare people. The media likes to scare people. Not just the media you're thinking about, the other side as well. Everybody likes to scare us. If it's not fear of a virus, it's fear of the government. If it's not fear of the party in control, it's fear of the party that might get control. Listen, we've learned this year that we've got to be smart. The Bible says we should be wise, not foolish. We should heed warnings. But we have not, and we are not, and we will not be afraid. Being a Christian is not being immune to fear, but hear this. Being a Christian is not being immune from fear. It's being excused from fear. As in, you've got a hall pass. I'm not saying there's not something to be afraid of. There is plenty to be afraid of. But you can choose to not be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of because you can trust the Lord, obey the Lord, rest in the Lord, and His love can go through you and use you in spite of what is terrifying everybody. Listen, we don't boast in immunity, but we rest in His security. Which is why verse 13 is true. We can have the joy of Jesus in a world that is joyless at times. In a world that says, unless he wins, you're not going to get what you want. Unless you get this, you're not going to have any joy. Unless you can experience this, you're not going to have any joy. We live in a world that tries to put joy behind a paywall. And Jesus says, there is no paywall because I paid for your life and I paid for your sins and I've saved you. And if you know me, you can know joy. Whether you've got a bank account full that you can use for God's glory or whether you're just barely getting by. Whether you're in an oppressive communist regime, whether you're in the freest country on the planet. Regardless where you're at and what you're going through, you can have joy. Whether you're sitting in a treatment center going through the worst crisis of your life or whether you're sitting home on Easy Street, your joy is not based on your circumstances, whether they are luxurious or whether they are awful. Your joy is based on and rooted in Jesus. And maybe this year has uprooted us from our comfortable situations to remind us that joy is only found in Jesus. You know, verse 14 speaks to how God's Word helps us. We've seen that this year, but the world, in verse 14, where it says the world hates us, the world does refer to people sometimes, but not people specifically. The world there refers to the nature and the system of this world. The world's against us. It's opposed to us. It, it, in many cases, it's just set up, we're set up to, to fail in a lot of ways because the world is fallen. It's broken. But verse 15 tells us that we don't have a choice to check out. We have to turn to God's word and find God's will for us no matter the circumstances. 
A believer finds their endurance from the Word. The evil one is whoever and whatever wants, to get, wants us to give up and lose hope. He might be against us, but God is for us and God's Word is opened to us. And I hope this year has taught us and, and encouraged us to read the Word and open the Word. If we get through this year and we're not any closer to Jesus, it was a wasted year. And who knows what we might have to go through next year. If this is what God was trying to get for us and get, get us to, to, in the direction of. And verse 17 is so important. Again, I, I told you to memorize it. We ought to. It's so easy. I think it's easy enough. He says, Father, I want you to set them apart. It's what sanctify means. It means make them a saint. Set them apart by your truth. And what is the truth? God's word. I'm not saying there aren't other things that are true in the world, but God's word is truth as in a guiding light for every situation we find ourselves in. This really helps to show what has been our goal as a church this year. Our messages and conversations around God's Word have had two core ideas. My goal as a pastor this year has been to bring God's Word in a timeless and transforming way. Timeless and transforming. God's Word is timeless and transforming. If you hear a sermon and it's not timeless and it's not transforming, they wasted your time. As in the Word is good for every generation, every age, every situation, no matter when we're hearing it, what we're going through, the Word has something to offer us. You know, God's Word has really carried us in this season, and that's because it's timeless. What was written all these years ago can still handle us, and it handles the most precarious of times that we face. Here's the thing. We don't bring our situation into the Word. Into the Word, we take the Word to our conditions. As in, I don't say, well, okay, God, this is what I want your word. I need your word to give me this. We go to the word saying, what can you give me? What do you have for me? We hold up the word and it reveals a script that we could not have seen otherwise. It's a magnifying glass to this world. It's a light to this world that reveals things that we didn't know were there. Timeless means that we don't water the word down with the world. We set the world on fire with the word. This book is ready to help everybody. Anywhere, anytime. So we don't force our lens on it. We accept what it says over us. You know, that's the reason why you have not heard a lot of divisive political rhetoric from me. And now I usually don't talk about me as separate from the church. But this is why I'm not somebody who goes in and talks about things that are very charged or very politically divisive. You won't ever hear that from me. Because the only politician that I serve and promote is Jesus Christ. The only politician that I serve and promote is King Jesus, and his kingdom has not been worried one bit about the happenings in America or any other country this year. His word can handle any regime, any pandemic, any scenario. I don't try to fit the word into us. I try to filter us through the word and with the word, and that's always my goal. may not be popular or what others might would look for, but that's what God's Word is asking for, and that's what God's Word deserves, honestly. My goal has been to preach His Word as it would be preached in any generation. I ask myself every Sunday, could I be transported across the world and preach this same sermon, as long as the language worked, and God could do that. Could I go and preach this sermon in communist China, in third world Africa, in the barren desert of some you know, Middle Eastern country? Could I go and preach this sermon to a people any other country, any other time, any other place, years ago even. And if I couldn't do that, 
and my sermon is so dressed up in my, you know, in culture that, that and it's so bottled down by things that aren't pertaining to the kingdom of God and things that only cater to me and myself and my generation, then, hey, that's not a sermon worth preaching. So my goal always is to bring the word to, what, to whoever and wherever God might would place me and God might would take me through time. His word will sanctify us and set us apart and transform us if we allow it to speak over us in that way. For that reason, it will uproot us and detach us from this world as it aims to set us in line with a world to come. Jesus says that he sanctified himself to the Father in verse 19. He humbled himself to a cross as a way of submitting to God, knowing that God had a plan that was greater. Can you imagine what that was like? If 2020 has been a cross to bear, we don't regret it and we don't shame it. We accept it, knowing that we are on track to get wherever God wants us to be. Look at verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Before there was ever a stability that people rely on, you loved me. We had it going on. Before there was ever any of this stuff that people would depend on and rely on, we had each other, Father, so I'm trusting you. But listen to that. God, I want you to get them where I am. Now, that can be spiritually taken, but I think, think about this. What if what we've been through this year has, been, has had one, God has had one agenda, one single agenda to get us to where Jesus is? Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's worth whatever it takes? You know, I, I don't make light of this, but how many of us, when we go on vacation, we, get, we pray, Father, take care of us. I don't want anything bad to happen to us. We pray that before we get in the car and drive a long way, right? That's the human thing to do. I pray that before I drive across town because Lord knows what's going to happen. How many of us would be bold enough to say, Father, whatever it takes to get me to where Jesus is, I want it today. None of this, bless and protect and keep safe and don't, shake, don't rock the boat and don't take away and don't make, don't make it hurt. I'm not making a lot of those things. That's human things to pray, and that's okay. But what if the next level for us is to pray verse number 24? I desire to be where Jesus is. May God continue to redeem this year for good, and may we continue to reclaim it for his glory. Church, I'm thankful to be where we are as a church. It doesn't look like what we might have would have expected it to, but come on. Nothing looks like what we we expected it to this year. But we have to believe. We hold on to this hope that God is taking us to where he wants us to be, where we need to be. So would you pray with me? You who are the core foundation anchors of this church, that we hold fast and stay with our eyes on him. Whether we get smooth sailing or a bumpier road to, to come, we hold on to Jesus because he is holding on to us. Can we commit to that together? Rex, you mind to play something for us before we head out of here? Just anything the Lord lays on your heart, just something that would uh, bless us tonight. Rex, you come up and play for us, and then we're going to head out front and uh, have a good time for a few minutes. Just something, just something to make to bless everybody. Anything that's good and uplifting.
That'd be great, Rex. Amen, Rex. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That means we get to taste what God has in store for us in advance and know that the best is always yet to come. Speaking of tasting, we got a little treat for you tonight. So on your way out, um, there are some chairs up against the wall. Grab a chair um, if they're not already set up um, and just seat yourself wherever you feel comfortable. Um, we, uh, we hope that uh, this is a blessing to you. I hope uh, I wanted it to be a surprise for the folks that come here tonight because I know this is, uh, I know you are always faithful and I think this would be a great way to enjoy uh, a little bit of our time this evening. So I'm gonna pray for us and let's head out and enjoy each other's company for just a little bit. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for this company you've put us in tonight, for this church that you have set on fire from heaven. Thank you for your blessed assurance that gives us a taste of glory to come. God, thank you that you have been with us all the way and your word has been preparing us for something that we might not know all of what it is just yet. But we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He despised the shame of the cross and endured it to the end. He gave up his life because he believed in what you had in store for him and for your kingdom. God, I pray you would help us to be faithful and to endure to the end of this, that we might get to the place you would have us to be. And uh, let everything we say and do in this time bring honor and glory to Jesus. We ask this in his mighty and powerful name. Amen. <laughs>